0: Recorded live from Crimson Cowl Comics and Collectibles in West Bend, Wisconsin, this is the Crimson Cowl Comic Club Podcast.
1: Greetings from the 53rd Earth. I'm Anthony. I'm David.
2: I'm Katie.
1: I'm Jim. And I'm Kurt's dad. (laughs) Welcome to issue number 21 of the Crimson Call Comic Club podcast. Each and every week we meet and talk about our club picks in which this is uh, one of the bigger weeks as we had both Marvel and DC titles uh, show up on the release schedule. Uh, We'll talk about those in spoilers and then uh, towards the end of the show we'll go around the table and talk non-spoilers for some of the favorite books that we've been reading and close it up with some news. So we're going to kick it off over on the DC side with the much-awaited Doomsday Clock number four. The series you thought you'd never see reaches its fourth issue with a shocking revelation about the aftermath of Ozymandias' actions and how they reach into the darkest corners of the DC universe. And the darkest corners... uh, Great little premise there for a book that has a, a pile of flapjacks and some syrup on there. So. Oh, I got this one. Oh, you got that? Okay, <laughs> that's a little more... That, that works a little closer to the uh, description. The ex- I, I thought the darkest corners of the DC universe came next. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess yeah. it's happening here. Yeah. Uh, Doomsday Clock number uh, four. This is the series now that has uh, jumped into the... The bi-monthly schedule, so uh, we had talked about the the messing up of the timeline and where it was all gonna right cause, to match up. Because again, an, initially
0: the plan was it was twelve months, and by the time it was done, it would be caught up with where the rest of the DC universe was at, at the end of that twelve months. Uh, so I don't know how this every other month business is going to affect that. Maybe maybe now it. They'll slow everything else down a little bit and we'll, we'll be caught up in two years. Um, but uh, I, I guess that we won't know.
1: Yes, um, So if you didn't get the Flapjacks cover, it's great because you get it on the first picture. So. The first yeah, they they, <laughs> they use that.
0: Um, yeah, so this, pretty much this entire issue, um, we're getting the origin of the new Rorschach. Um, and I think uh, at the very beginning when we started this out, we talked a little bit about some of the, uh, the theories about who he was. Uh, one of those theories, um, ends up, you know, being, being true. We, we learn that as we go. Um, so it starts off and we're, we're seeing him, um, it looks like he's in, uh, prison. And that threw me off a little bit because we know that... Uh, Batman had locked him up in Arkham. Um, so at first when we see him in prison, I, w- I was a little thrown off. I wasn't sure if we were seeing a flashback because um, he's kind of talking about things in, in his past a little bit, but uh wasn't sure what was going on here exactly, if this was like something from his past. But you find out, okay, this is this is him in Arkham. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because, and and, yeah, this back, whole issue goes back and forth. you'll see... And you'll, as you go back, you know, you go back to his childhood, um, talks about growing up. Uh, you're, you're giving a hint to his identity right away, if you can remember some some names. His dad, is, his mom calls his dad Mal. Um, and so as we get into it, we find out that his dad is Dr. Malcolm Long, who was... Uh, the psychiatrist that was dealing with Rorschach in uh in
1: the original in, in the original Watchmen.
0: book yeah. um and that of course was one of the main theories as to who people thought he was um, so that that did prove to be true uh but this gives a like a real interesting look at like how he got from just being this kid and then growing up and becoming. This guy that's not really all there and what we learn is that he was always uh kind of a weak uh mentally physically you know it's kind of a, a passive, weak, person. Weak, passive person who he got bullied and never even thought of fighting back um but that changes after the incident where um you know, the, there's this monster invasion in, in New York that uh, killed, what? It's like a couple million, yeah, like million, three million, million or something. Million. Or? Um, including his parents. Yes. And it turns out that was all orchestrated by uh, Um But we find that the people that survived, thousands of them, it, it left them, like, uh, mentally... Uh, well, it left them crazy. Yeah. basically it. So a lot of them got locked up. Big um, giant squid monsters will do that to a person, Re- Reggie included. Um, so yeah, he kind of went, uh, he, he kind of went a little, little crazy, and he got locked up. Um, so Arkham's not his first, uh, <laughs> his first time being locked up in uh, some sort of mental facility. Um, and there he's got, um, you don't realize it, but at, at first you've got, uh, um, I don't remember if they give a name here. Oh yeah, Dr. Matthew Mason, um, who comes in and this is his psychiatrist um, in Arkham. Uh, and you start realizing that Reggie... You know, he, he sees stuff all the time. He sees death all around him. He sees the monster and whatever. So you start seeing him envisioning this eye popping out of the middle of uh, um, Dr. Mason's yeah, head.
1: Almost like that guy's face isn't real for some reason. Yeah, it's, it's,
0: it's kind of like it's not face. Like there's yeah. something hiding under his face. Yeah, but. Um, a little foreshadowing. <laughs> <laughs> um, and again, a flashback. To when he's pulled out, you see that he survived that attack, um, but right away it had blown his eardrums and, and whatever. And every everybody that he sees, he sees death everywhere. Um, so he's now uh, full of anger and full of rage, but he's you know no uh, no direction, no outlet for it. And uh, and one day he just had enough, and he's he. He tries to make a run for it, and he gets up to the roof, and he uh, runs into this other patient there who's standing up on the roof, and um, who he thought had the same plan, that he was going to jump off the roof and kill himself. And this guy says, jumping? Oh, no. I can fly. (laughs) They said I couldn't, but I worked hard and long, and I learned the secret opening the uh, the door for people who are uh, locking themselves up. That happened to me a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, that's the problem with that back door is you never know when it's locked and when it's not. Um, so, so yeah, he, he says he can fly and he learned the secrets of it. Uh, he visualizes it. He pictures it in his mind. And I see what I want to see. And what I see is what is. And then he steps off the roof and even at this point, I wasn't sure if we were just seeing... Splat. Re- Re- yeah. we're, we're not sure if we're seeing Reggie imagining him fly off or if he's actually flying off. And we learned that he actually did fly off because it turns out that this guy, Byron, who who then gets locked up because he's naked except for these wings that he made, uh, and he goes to buy himself uh, breakfast or something somewhere. And he also escaped from a, a state asylum. Yeah. No. yeah, he escaped from a stand asylum naked except for some wings that he made out of like sheets and stuff like that. Uh, And we find out that he was actually a character, um, a a lesser known character from Watchmen. He actually made them out of
3: 72 feet, 8.8 millimeters of aluminum, um, 40 feet of inch metal cables, uh, cable cutters... Three rolls of 100 yards each of polyester cloth and one pair of goggles.
1: So all stuff around the house that you can just whip up if you need your own wings. <laughs> yeah.
4: He was one of the original Minutemen. Minutemen. Yeah, the, uh, he was the, the Moth Moth Man. Man.
0: Mothman. Turns out he was the Mothman. Um, and uh, so he, he becomes friends, you know. Mothman, Byron, he gets brought back in, locked back up, and they sort of become friends. Reggie and and, uh, Byron become friends, and Byron starts working with Reggie, and he starts training him and uh, teaching him. He knows a lot of, he's picked up a lot of the different fighting uh, techniques and whatever from all these other Minutemen in Watchmen, so he starts uh, teaching him and kind of training him um, although, at this point, they, I don't think they have any idea what they're going to do with this training, <laughs> um, but they start on it. Uh, meanwhile, um, Reggie would be locked back up, um, talked to by a psychiatrist, put through a I, I don't know what, because I'm trying to remember which, which ones. It, it keeps jumping back and forth between the flashbacks. I think mm-hmm. he went through a, like electroshock therapy, not at Arkham. I think that was yeah, all the stuff yeah. at, the, uh, at the old hospital. Um, but, yeah, when he's um, – so it kind of jumps back and forth, and you see him locked up in – is it Fitzgerald or something like yeah, that? Yeah, Fitzgerald the is that the at? asylum. In and, the... and it goes back and forth from when he's locked up in Fitzgerald and when he's locked up in Arkham. Um, we get a cameo by Mr. Freeze, which is... <laughs> yeah. Actually, there, there are a few names. You see uh, the last Jones. name Dent. Yeah, mm-hmm. Waylon Jones. Um, yep. Dent. It's mentioned that there's a, a, a Jane Doe, that there's plenty of John and Jane Doe's there. <laughs> and one of them actually will become somewhat important, because um, right after this you actually see her looking through the door and watching. Um... In one of Mothman's many uh, escape escapades, because this is a repeat thing where he flies out and uh and then he comes back and he brings back a bunch of contraband this part i wasn't clear on because he explains that the reason that he does it naked is because he can't fly with the extra weight right. of the clothes yeah. and yet somehow he brings back all this contraband <laughs> so um
1: maybe he doesn't eat the toasts and sourdough and the eggs and stuff like that uh, so he, that, he, that he, time around yeah he, he just way bastard
0: a little bit there. um and Reggie mentions that he doesn't have anything from his parents left because that whole area had been quarantined. So one time that, uh, that Blairin escapes, uh, he brings back a bunch of contraband. And I'm also not clear on where he put it all. Yeah. <laughs> it was a pretty big bag. So I'm not sure, if, you know, it, it's like pillowcase type size bag full of stuff. And he had, he brings in all of his dad's, uh, notes and everything on Rorschach um, and, and stuff like that. So he starts doing the research and things aren't making sense to him. He feels like there's things missing, uh, which also correlates to a puzzle that they're doing on the side where it's a, you know, a puzzle of Ozymandias and there's one piece that's missing and they can't find it.
1: They better release those uh, as something you can buy yeah, without a, that piece. That's yeah. A, yeah, that's right. Puzzle. Well,
0: they'll, they'll hide the piece. It'll be in, in the box <laughs> in the, the, the whole box time, somewhere. which is what happens There'll be a here. secret
3: compartment in the box.
0: <laughs> um, on the side, you get little little bits of news and stuff, um, both from the, the past and, and everything. Uh, well, I guess all from the past. But it it starts covering the the time where Adrian Voight Voight, Voight, Fight, um, where they start suspecting that uh, he's not who everybody thought and they start connecting that the whole uh, Manhattan massacre thing was his doing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they... Meanwhile, in Fitzgerald, they find that missing piece and they put it right in the puzzle just as they've connected Adrian to uh to being in, you know behind it, and therefore the guy who essentially murdered Reggie's parents um, and at that point something kind of sn- snaps or clicks together anyways in Reggie's head he suddenly and he snaps yeah yes. he so- su- he suddenly has this this focus for his anger, he's got an outlet that he's been missing, and um he he's When he's in there, he keeps getting these Rorschach tests, and he can't find anything. And then the first thing that he sees after meeting Byron is he sees a moth. And then he's given this last Rorschach test, and he's asked what he sees, and he says, Rorschach. (laughs)
2: Um,
0: So then he decides to escape with Byron, and he does it by... Lighting the place, <laughs> on burning fire. the asylum down. Unfortunately, <laughs> One do Mothman is attracted to the <laughs> flames <laughs> and walks back into the burning building. Um, but he leaves uh, leaves a gift uh, for Reggie, and it's uh, some tickets um, for a boat and a Rorschach mask. Which I don't know how he got a hold of the Rorschach mask. That's not really explained. Uh, But he's got this, and he holds it up for the first time, and it's smiling at him. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He then takes the tickets, and he gets on a ship, which takes him up north, or is it south? I I forget. Yeah, Antarctica, that's where it was. Um, Takes him down, and he finds Osmundius' lair, um, and confronts Diaz who, I don't know, somehow, I think he feels, I don't know if he feels sorry for him or what, he finds out about the, the tumor in his head, and, you know, he kind of drops the scalpel that he was going to kill him with, and the next thing we see is uh, really that he's, well, I guess, in between there, you you, you jump ahead to Arkham, Um where he's he keeps hearing his name being called in his head it seems to be in his head and it turns out and i can't think of her name um and do you know who this is um, this jane doe is who she calls herself
3: she's right says, name, jane
0: doe. right um she's one of the legion of superheroes uh, and she was in uh i think she's popped up a few times in some of the um the, the, the things since, of- since uh uh since rebirth like in rebirth and, and some of the stuff since um like the batman flash crossover thing i think she might have popped up Yes. and i cannot an think of her, her name that I do remember but that. she's one of the she's one of the legion of superheroes saturn girl maybe and she's been and she's been locked up in arkham hmm. um and this is you know kind of an exciting thing because currently since you know new 52 we haven't had a legion of superheroes mm-hmm. but um It'd be Saturn Girl. But yeah, who's in his was, head? She would yeah, be and she's telepathically. Telepathic and, that, yeah, that's who it is. Saturn Girl, um, and so she finally introduces herself. Although well, she says she's Jane Doe, um, and says that they're getting out of there, so she's going to help him escape from Arkham, and then we jump back to where uh, uh, Reggie is, the new Rorschach, and Osmondius are packed up and leaving Asmundius' lair and heading off to parts un- unknown together. Um, although he says we can't do it alone, so I I assume this is right before yeah. we pick up in the first issue. Right. Um, so you find out that this this second Rorschach has really had no experience at being Rorschach at all, he's brand new to it. <laughs> And from there, we go to Wayne Manor, and you've got uh, Alfred. You're not really showing him, um, but what you see is Alfred talking to Bruce about thinking it was a bad idea to uh, to leave Rorschach alone at Arkham. But what you're looking at is, as you're seeing this conversation happen between the two of them is a mask that is, <laughs> uh, what was the name, Dr.? Matthews yeah Dr. Matthew R- <laughs> psychiatrist at Arkham. and it turns out that he was Bruce <laughs> um, and that's about where it ends other than you see a bug fly at one of those little zappers bug zapper type things, and as it dies in this flash of blue light, you see um, D- dr. Manhattans symbol appear in the smoke. Mm-hmm. Um, aside from that, the um, back, we... Uh,
4: just called Jane Doe, I just Googled her. There is, a DC, uh, DC, Wow, the Wikipedia, DC fan Wikipedia. Um, she is a supervillain that Batman has committed to Arkham Asylum, who has power of mimicry in disguise, and was once caught escaping Arkham with, um, skin and body parts. Oh. So there's an actual change. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure this is actually Saturn Girl, though. Um, and she was also a partner with Firefly.
2: Okay.
4: And doesn't that look like Firefly?
0: Actually, I thought that was, uh, I thought that was Mothman. That's... Yeah, because he's got an M on his chest, oh, okay. too. Yeah. okay. Right. Yeah, that's Mothman. Maybe, yeah. So he made it over. Um, But, uh, yeah, I think, well, we'll see, because right now it's just a Jane Doe. (laughs) Uh, But I know Saturn Girl's popped up. She was locked up in Arkham. Um, This person has been able to communicate into his mind, so all signs point to Saturn Girl. But that's interesting, Uh, although maybe that's why... The, uh, yeah. It is mentioned that there are several John Doe's and Jane and Does, Doe's in, uh, in Arkham. Yeah. Um, and then it just ends, and you've got... Because uh, um, there's there's always, just like in Watchmen, you get extras in here. At the end of this one, you've got a bunch of letters um, from Byron to his sister. Um, and That's it goes, how we know what he made his wings out of. <laughs> yeah, so, so it talks about that. It talks about uh, him meeting Reggie, and then the last one is written on the date that they they leave, and he says it'll be his last letter. Mm. So, um, so I, I think he knew that, you know, he was going to be attracted to that plane and he wasn't going to be continuing on from there. But uh, that is number four of Doomsday Clock.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, I know, it's um, it was moving a- along pretty good, but then they had the, that break and that, you know, bit of time, and now that's kind of my concern is that it's going to turn into something like Dark Knight's Metal, which had been spread out so much that in the issue that we're about to discuss, which is the last one, um, by the time it comes out, it's like, what, you know, what, what did I read in the last one's? Doomsday Clock number 4 here wasn't so bad. I didn't really have to go back and refresh myself. I could see that happening, um, but partially because the way that this one was written um, and this one's done as kind of this origin that if you read the, the first issue, you know, and remember the first issue, you could read this one um, really without even uh, having read the other couple in between there and you would, you would understand this one.
3: I really like the sense of mystery they're building in it, and the sense of you know, some you want to know more. Wish they'd unravel a little more, a little faster, because they it's give you a little bit. of you know, a mystery, but, they, but they also raise some <laughs> yeah. questions. They go,
0: they answer some questions, and they raise That's, some questions. Yeah. But they do, um, they do keep it interesting. Mm. Um, and this is this one. I, you know, we've we've talked about a few DC event books, um, and. Some of them we haven't been real thrilled about. This one I'm enjoying. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah I am, I am enjoying this one. Yeah. I want to go back and read Watchmen a little bit
2: now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because yeah. I actually didn't uh, didn't really remember Mothman, but there are these other characters yeah. that are mentioned that you don't really like when they not show really pictures
4: of
3: the group in the past.
4: You'll see these other I think, characters. Yeah, somewhere them. at the end of each book, they where they refer to some of the yeah. old characters. That's where you're gonna. Find that information. Right. They've
1: done a good job with the writing and the art of really making it feel like, you know, a proper Watchmen sequel in that sense. It's not so drastically different, you know, and it just, the tone of it really feels... Feels good. They're right everything's the same. Yeah, yeah. They
0: really, too, as far as Watchmen, they're really focused on those lesser known characters or, um, in in the case of, like, uh, Marionette and the Mine characters that were created just for this. Um, Mothman, you know, they take a character who uh, most people won't even remember. Um, rather than bringing back and potentially ruining um, Night Owl, Silk Spectre, characters like that. Uh, so that's that's probably a good thing, you know, for, for people who are uh, real Watchmen fans to to get this revisitation of that universe without um, having anything that that wrecks those characters for you. Um, but it doesn't really explain what happens to those other characters. Although in this one you do find out that uh, Sally Jupiter, um, the original subspector, yeah. you do find out that she had died at some point. Because um, it talks about uh, Osmond Diaz, uh, saying some controversial remarks about her at the dedication of her memorial. You know, that he didn't feel that she deserved the statue.
1: All right. Well, shall we move on to an even darker corner of the DC (laughs) Universe?
0: Well, I guess if this were the darkest, if Doomsday Clock is the darkest corner of the DC (laughs) Universe, Dark Knight's Metal would be the darkest corner of the DC Universe. Multiverse. Multiverse
1: dark multiverse. Well, the opening premise for Dark Knights Metal number six is All roads lead to darkness <laughs> In the devastating and epic conclusion Heroes from across the universe make their final charge into the unknown To battle the forces of the dark multiverse Space and time, dreams and nightmares, all will collide And what is left at the end will leave the DC universe changed <laughs> So, what happened in this book? A lot of
0: fighting and uh, If I remember and... correctly, um, some stuff happened, and there were some uh, confusing things and stuff. But yeah. great art,
1: great, great art. art. Yes, great
3: always great art.
1: Say that on record.
4: So, <laughs> you know, Wonder Woman seems to be the best, the greatest hero in this. Book.
3: Yeah, th- this this
0: issue is uh, definitely her. F- focuses story. a lot on uh, on Wonder Woman in this one. Um, I couldn't even when I opened this up, just like any other issue that I've opened up. I was like, "Wait, where am I?" I'm trying to remember what yeah. happened first, and knowing that it was probably some uh, related um, comic, but not in the 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 metal. <laughs> series itself it's one, of the but when, one of the tie-ins one-shots happen and... cuz this one has just relied way too heavily in my opinion on those those books, all the tie-ins, you know. It's it's nice uh in some stories when you get tie-ins and you can see how other corners of the universe have dealt with that event. Um but Dark Knight's Metal it's like required reading. <laughs> Know, rather, rather than just some, some, some extras, um, you know, not not to say that regularly, you know, these these tie in books aren't worth buying, you know, but it, it's nice when they enhance the story rather than making you know being that required reading where you have to read it because then it might as well just be another issue of that book.
3: Yeah. Right? Well, I can try to give you the rundown. <laughs> you you always do
1: try. <laughs>
0: okay. Well, you're the most filled in of anyone sitting here at this table.
3: Well, we ended last time. Remember, Wonder Woman, Kendra it's diving into the millions of uh, dark creatures now that have come up out of the dark verse, um, and they're trying to fight their way to the top of Challenger's Mountain because they figure if they can get up there, they can set the other people free. Um and they're not making much headway. They're holding their own, but they're not really moving up. Um and we get a quick shot of um at the top of the mountain, the people who have already been caught by the um dark Batman are fighting it out with um people up there. We've got Green Lantern, Aquaman, um, Mr. Terrific. Um, is down a little further on the mountain and he finally releases one of their secret weapons, <laughs> Elastic Man. <laughs> Plastic, Plastic Man. Internet. Plastic Man turns into a huge dinosaur bulldozer yeah. chainsaw. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he he suggested,
0: can you turn into this or that? <laughs> and, then? and he's like, well, I'll turn into all, all of, of them. them.
3: And he tries to sweep away everyone, which starts to move them up the mountain a little bit more, but they still feel like they're not going to make it. Um they get to a portal. Now I'm not sure if this is at the top of the mountain. I think this is probably where it is. And um Kendra and Wonder Woman decide they need to dive into the portal, mm. into the, the dark verse to try to um stop things at their source. Kendra realizes she can't go in because she's been absorbed too much by the dark energy. And so Wonder Woman has to be the one who goes in. And she and Kendra is just anchoring her back in our universe with uh, Wonder Woman's golden lasso. She starts to descend in, and she at first thinks that, you know, there's no light left in the forge. It's just a waste of time. And then she sees a tiny spark in, uh, in the forge and decides she needs, and she sees Bar, Barbados there saying, ah, everything will lead back to darkness. And it all looks hopeless. And then into the wave comes the 53rd Earth's group. <laughs> <laughs> they come to help, and this is the only shot of women we get in the book, which is yeah. one of those things that I found totally goofy. Yeah, they, they arrive. <laughs> you have one full-page
0: shot of of them. It's Detective Chimp, and then there's another Chimp character <laughs> behind him. And, then, and right. then the rest of them are, you've got Batman. Dark Knight yeah.
3: Returns Batman, you've got... Um, a vampire bat, the ba- Vamp- drone from B- the w- Batman versus Dracula. Yeah. Um, all of them come flying the, in. The, the,
0: yeah, the Batman from, uh, what was the Superman title, where he grows up in Russia. And yeah.
2: The Red Sun. The Red, Son, the Red yeah. Sun. Red Sun, yeah.
3: So we get all these guys diving in, and then we don't see them anymore in the comic. That's that's it. They're here to save the day, but I guess they don't really <laughs> save the day. Yeah, I don't see any pages missing from the staples yeah, here. Yeah, I... Right? I So, Wonder Woman, seeing a spark down in the forge, dives down into the forge, figuring Batman and Superman are down there, and she's going to go get them. Um... And she tells Kendra, I know what I need to do. Hold tight to the lasso and make him see the truth as I did for you. Because she's, at the same time, Hawkman, who's been converted into this huge monster, is trying to stop them. And so Kendra's trying to convince him, no, no, don't do this. You know, you're Remind really Carter he is. Um And, uh, you know, Barbados is there. Ah, they saw some spark. Who cares? A little light of hope that'll make it all the sweeter when we... Eat them, and then out from the forge comes Wonder Woman, Batman, Superman, dressed in tenth metal, (laughs) (laughs) or Element X, as it's called. Which, I mean, they mentioned it at one time, but suddenly here's, and we learn that tenth metal has the ability of wherever it touches, it can alter reality the minds of the person who's wielding the 10th medal and so now here's the hope they're going to come back out with the 10th medal and re-alter the universe um at the same time flash and cyborg are crashing in the ship remember from the one (laughs) the one spin-off book that we had where they were off trying to get to the center of the universe and supposedly they have some of the um Something from the center of the universe to help as well, but it seems like the main thing is this 10th metal has now come forth, and then suddenly all of the JLA are coated in 10th metal from Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman, um, and the whole tide begins to turn as they use this new metal to defeat the. Creatures from the dark verse, as well as somewhat altering the reality as we know it. And then Dr. Fate pops in um, and rallies the rest of the troops to get all the people who are trapped up on Challenger Mountain loose from their confinement there. Um, and they begin to break down the power that's being generated by all those bodies being connected in. Um, and then the Monster Hawkman turns on Barbados and gives him a blast from his hammer. And in the meantime... The Batman Who Laughs is trying for the final ace in the hole. He has the monitor, the anti-monitor's brain, (laughs) and um, one other element here. I'm trying to remember what the other one was. Um, And dark energy. And we'll link them all together and destroy the multiverse by bringing all these things together. But Batman has tracked down um, the Batman Who Laughs The Batman who laughs tells him, you'll never be able to beat me. I know every move you have, except Batman is not alone. He also has the Joker. (laughs) Yeah, I I saw that coming. Batman's teaming up with the Joker. The Joker, because, you know, the Batman who laughs can beat Bruce alone, because he does think just like Batman but he doesn't think like the Joker. <laughs> um, and so then we get a kind of scene, kind of like remember in the movie when uh, Captain America and uh, Winter Soldier are beating up Iron Man. Same sort of thing. Yeah. This time with Batman Joker. <laughs> it's a good, Taking apart Batman who laughs. Um, chopping off his fingers, in fact, the joker takes great pleasure in this and um, I like to mention about <laughs> to
1: be clear, we never speak of this <laughs> as,
3: as Batman says yeah. to be clear, we never speak of this um and at the same time upstairs um everybody is cleaning up the mess that 's upstairs brought on by the multiverse uh or by the the dark verse um and we see that uh, the Batman, or no, somebody warns, I'm trying to see who's warning Barbados here, they are coming for you. And he says, let them come. Let them take any road they wish. They will find the antenna smashed and you dead. For in the end, all roads lead back to darkness. So supposedly, if he smashes this, then they'll plunge everything into the darkness. But instead, they take the antenna, or no, um... Wonder Woman hands off her clawed glove to Kendra, who flies up and puts it right through the middle of Barbados. And down he goes. And we see Batman rushing out of the collapsing mess with the monitor to make sure he doesn't go down with the rest. And supposedly, the dimension now is going to be closed by the power of the JLA, uniting with all the people of the universe and a mental push to close the portal to the dark universe because they're told that the Tenth metal is in everyone. And so everyone comes together in this kind of...
1: See, that's what I felt this week. I thought it was just some chest pain, but it was <laughs> tenth, the metal. Tenth, tenth metal, metal. It's, it's okay. shifting a little. And, okay. um, I had an
3: iron deficiency, but it's okay because I had a money. <laughs> I had so they all together kind of have this moment of light, which then closes... The dark verse to our universe. Yay!
1: <laughs> um, and I think have... that was very well <laughs> defined and deciphered. And
3: yes. And then they have the big party where everybody comes together, and Batman gives them this great speech about how he's proud to be with all of them. They are, you know, it's only together that we manage to do this. You know, we get the big, uh, big speech about all that. But we also find out something somewhat disturbing that. Well, he was down there, Batman saw some visions, all kinds of things that can happen, and the way he describes it is, with all of this, they've shattered the barrier between their multiverse and the rest of reality, which is out there. He says it's kind of like a fishbowl being thrown into an ocean. (laughs) So now I guess just about anything can happen, Um, which I... Kind of wondered by the end of the book is that the point that we've now created something where essentially you can do anything because you have an infinite number of possibilities that have been opened up by throwing the multiverse into something even bigger than the multiverse. So well, the one thing that metal has done
0: has kind of eliminated that limitation of the fifty-two
3: right worlds. You really have just opened the door to all that. Um, and then
4: everybody's... So able, everything's well, back to pre-crisis where anything can go
1: now. Well, then and this just, this Bruce Wayne kind of turns into an Adam West Bruce Wayne kind of moment. throws a big party. Yeah, <laughs> it feels like... It's, he's doing the bat-toosie. <laughs> yeah. uh, Off-panel. <laughs> I gotta say, like, you know, with this dark and bloody and gory and scary as the series has been, it's ending on this, you know, light note, and they're making references well, to metal. Well, except well,
3: after the party scene, then we have Bruce and, um... Clark and Diana talking, and how are we gonna, you know, how are we gonna survive now? Like when we're a fishbowl thrown into an ocean, and Batman's final words are, "I have a plan," and we see his plan sitting on the table, yes. including the Justice League from the cartoons, oh. <laughs> the Justice League building from the cartoons, Justice the Hall of Justice is now. <laughs> and, and I was gonna say, no matter
0: what you thought of this book. Uh, in Anthony's eyes, it was yes. all worth it. I've honestly been trying to set
1: that up. <laughs> take it away. Even though I've been, you know, shaky on what's been happening, um, it was all worth it, as David is setting up, because we got Swamp Thing and a red bow tie in the corner. Yep. <laughs> and I saw that, and I'm like, best book of the year, right here. And I got and to, I got to do this now. We're at the end of metal. We've I was like, find, trying in, to find my way take to Taking this
3: in interesting year. journey through metal. If you had to rate it between one. We should never let these writers do anything ever again. And <laughs> <laughs> ten, <laughs> this was the best book ever written. Where's everybody at? <laughs> uh,
0: well, again, because there's not really anything written about Swamp Thing in the Tide. It's, it's in the art. Yeah, yeah, um, that's true. So, um, the, the art scores more points. Uh, across the whole series, it was, uh, it was a little odd art-wise. Um going jumping from what was clearly one artist to another, but at the same time they kind of seemed to be covering their own different thing mm-hmm. um so it made some degree of sense and that all seemed to, to to blend together a lot more as as you went through the series um and you got some really some really great art in there um some really nice panels um so art wise there's a lot of really uh really great stuff going on. The writing itself, um, that, that again, is tough to say, in part because of what I already said about, you know, having a lot of the story taking place in these tie-ins that a lot of us didn't read. Um, But even then, I get the sense that it seemed like things were missing. So your number would be? So my number would be, (laughs) well, you know, pretty low because... I shouldn't have to read these things and have everything explained in detail to me. You know, you read a book, it's it's fine. You have a couple questions like, hey, I didn't get this, or whatever, and you're talking about it. You know, here we have, you know, today, you know, we've got five people sitting at a table and talking about it, we could sit here and discuss it and still be confused about a lot of these things, and that shouldn't be the case. Um, It did have some some good things in there. There were some good lines. I pointed out before the club, you know, uh, what I thought was a really good line in this book. So some of that was was good. So I'm not going to give it like a one. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, it would be lower. I will say maybe a three.
4: Mm I would go about a four, four to five, four and a half now. Um, I really liked a lot of the artwork. Um, Some of it was... Just like why I don't understand, but most of it was really good. This last issue, um, the tenth metal, the element X armor that they came up with, I thought, great, this is gorgeous. Um, I want Wonder Woman to keep that armor. <laughs> <laughs> All of them probably could have been yeah. they look pretty good. But, I mean, I want that to be her <laughs> regular armor yeah. now, you know. But you know, um, it's the story in general. I think it was so much buildup, and then they just kind of crushed. It ended too quickly at the end, and it's like, and didn't answer a lot of questions.
1: And then you had just read the first one you had said.
2: Yeah, I couldn't get into
1: it. Yeah, that's a... What about yourself? I mean, you're the one that's dived right into (laughs) all the tie-ins. I have read
0: all the tie-ins. Probably
1: in
3: my own heart of hearts. (laughs) I think somewhere between a three and a four. I mean, the artwork, you're right. Did some incredible things. I thought they had some unique features in it. The, the tenth armor was cool. Though it's kind of hokey how it kind of comes out of nowhere. Yes. You know? <laughs> um, and uh, to me, the real drop, and that was lots of action. That was great. If you're looking for a book that's all about action, well, here's one. You know, It's kind of wall-to-wall action. But I have to say, I just didn't care. They didn't suck me in enough to really care about what was going on at all. I mean, by the end of the story, I don't care whether the dark verse wins. I don't care whether the multiverse wins. It it was just, there was no, to me, the best storylines are the ones that have some heart. And I at least, and it may just be me, I'm not saying this is true for everybody who read this series, because it's gotten great reviews from some people. Oh, yeah. It's also got some that are pretty close to what I'm saying, that it was confusing at times. They were depending on you being someone who had, like, minute understanding of the DC universe. Um, and there was just no heart to it. By the end of it, I was just going, so what? You know, <laughs> and, Why and, was Batman mucking around with this stuff in the first place? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No,
0: I, I think that really... <laughs> Hits at the the no heart thing. I I think that the writers had some some ideas. I think they felt that they they truly believed in this as a project and where they wanted to go. Mm-hmm. But somehow in in their writing and putting it out there, I just don't. Whatever their vision was,
3: I don't think that they necessarily got that across to the readers.
4: Yeah, and I think I, that's probably true too. And
3: yeah. in the end, I felt like when I read the last <laughs> segment of it, that this was all about opening up new universes, so now you could do anything. And in storytelling, I like there to be some structure to it, not this kind of global, we could do anything we want now, because we've got an infinite number of universes, so if we want to do some goofy thing that doesn't fit into the multiverse at all, who cares, you know, we now have established that there's no ground rules anymore. Um, and. If that's what they did, and I'm not saying that they did because I'm not sure what's in the mind of people who write this, but if they opened it up that way, I'm, I don't find that
4: all that appealing. I think if Scott Snyder had give, been given a couple more years to develop this whole story and wasn't pushed to make it fit into the rest of the DC universe, it might have been really good. Yeah. But like I said, it, I think it was all packed in and too, finished too, com- too quickly. To develop everything the way it should have been. What
1: about you, old fearless
4: leader? We haven't heard from you yet.
1: I would say on a scale from 1 to 10, I'd give it... Hello.
3: Wow.
1: (laughs) Redness must be upset. (laughs) Okay, you got to... We're going to have you set me up again. Okay. In in a second. (laughs) We just had some technical difficulties with some uh, lights from Christmas uh, falling down. Well,
4: I always know it was Easter, so... Oh, there we go, yeah, yeah. they got to come down. So, so I'll all fearless have said, leader, I would, what do you think? I would
1: say from 1 to 10, I give this a 686, as an Avengers number 686. <laughs> Oh, that's dodging the question. As Wonder Man struggles (laughs) to get through to the Hulk, the Black Order attacks (laughs) Avengers HQ. (laughs) I've been waiting like five minutes to do that. Um, no. (laughs) (laughs) The Grand Cosmic Game comes to its shocking conclusion, but the war for Earth is just beginning. We are on part 12 of 16 of this weekly event. Uh, We've left it with the Hulk being uh, uh, risen, he's back, but being controlled by the Hulk, less Bruce Banner, more the actual Hulk, as the Avengers and everybody has been uh, trying to get at him, as he's going for the uh, final Pyramoid that he has been sent uh, from the Challenger, as the secret weapon, and we had the Grandmaster who had... uh, our longtime favorite Avenger Voyager. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, So that's where we kind of caught up as uh, Rogue's team with the other Avengers, with Hercules and Thor, have been trying to race to get to the headquarters as the Hulk is basically destroying everybody and trying to get through the vault as uh, Voyager has locked herself in um, as she was, you know, kind of played a, an audible, if you will, on her father, and uh, she was the secret weapon for him, and uh, she kind of double-crossed him, and and uh, we we're still kind of unsure, you know, what she was kind of do uh, going to do, and we see a little more unfold in this issue. So as the Avengers try to rush there, we left with uh, Wonder Man, who had uh, was able to get there a lot quicker, as he was going to talk some sense into the Hulk, and he wanted to talk to Bruce which doesn't really work out exactly how he had hoped as we get in that opening page of him just getting smacked right in the face there and uh but it's a constant you know Wonder Man Simon Williams he keeps trying to uh calm him down he's trying to keep everybody off of the Hulk uh which is difficult when you have uh the other Avengers you know basically trying to stop him but Wonder Man wants to take that his viewpoints of not using uh Fighting and
0: right, yeah, he really believes that his uh, pacifist way in this case is the best way that the uh, you know. And I think they did a good job him. of really
3: showing that he's a pacifist. I mean, he's taken a beating, and yet he refuses under any circumstances to fight back.
1: And then uh, we had members of uh, the Black Order uh, still around, Black Swan and Proxima Midnight, as we have a couple of the U.S. Avengers of uh, Tony Ho and. Uh, cannonball and what's left of uh enigma the, yeah. the 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 helmet the that they all kind of power together uh they use their powers to uh blast away um black, black swan there so they're kind of recuperating but then proxima midnight's just right behind them ready to uh attack but then we get mjolnir crashing through which uh brings the entry to uh Thor and Rogue and Hercules uh showing up finally at the HQ. And uh during this whole time we've had uh Voyager kind of talking uh to herself and she's kind of kind of recognizing the the teamwork of the Avengers while she was placed there as a as um as they changed all their memories that she was a long-time member. <laughs> yeah, she was she's she been, was
0: just kind of a tool in this in this game. <laughs> And she knew that, but now she's recognizing that, you know, um, and and really being inspired by what she's seeing from the Avengers. And,
1: uh, and then once again, we're back with Simon Williams and the Hulk, and like Stad had said, he's just really not given up on that uh, viewpoint there. Just by, you know, he's was you make a mention about that he he'd be able to come back from this with his ionic energy that yeah. even if he does get Breaks mis- my head off,
3: I'm still going to come back, so yeah. it doesn't matter.
1: But, then but we- <laughs> this panel
3: also proved yes. me wrong last week. I thought Bruce Banner was gone, but mm. he's there. He's buried deep, deep inside the Hulk. I thought from some of the earlier issues it looked like he was totally yeah. removed yeah. from the picture, but he is not. He is
0: still there. Yeah, we do and get a, a the, little look on that. And the mindless thing was all kind of an act. We find out it's actually just the opposite. This is the Hulk version of the hulk where he is the hulk but the most intelligent hulk we've had without being bruce banner Mm -hmm.
1: and just as about uh taking care of wonder man we have a ho there off panel as uh, hercules shows up and wants to get into the fight but all of them together you know hercules and thor and just you know mjolnir across the chest there None of this seems to stab the Immortal Hulk as he just easily, you know, shoots them all back. But then you see the gloves are off, so to speak, and literally, I guess, as uh, Rogue uh, uh, runs in. And I, I just like this this whole story that Rogue's been... Uh, like, this is not what you would think, like, oh, this is a big Avengers story. Rogue's going to be um, your... The centerpiece of it all. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I kind of liked her kind of stepping up, you know, into this book a little more. And uh, as she goes to, uh, this is when we cut to seeing Bruce Banner on the inside, as he, uh, she's trying to absorb the powers and uh, bruce gives the warning saying that he can't be stopped and basically telling them to all retreat and uh, stop doing what they're doing but of course you know hercules and thor hanging on (laughs) hanging on the shoulder and the backs of the hulk right now and they once again just all trying to stop him from getting into uh, the vault which uh, basically does not work because he breaks in rips the door off And here he is getting face-to-face with uh, Voyager. Easily clocks her out as well. Um, And now, uh, as we... Challenger's gloating. Yeah. He's going to get the
3: (laughs) Pyramoid.
1: And as we saw on the main cover, as he's about to reach it, and Rogue's kind of hanging on there. There he is, ready to grab the Pyramoid. The game's going to be over, and we would expect him to die and go off into the, you know, like with Quicksilver and everybody else. But instead... Hulk smash and (laughs) destroys the pyramid. Yeah,
0: which actually, again, credit to Wonder Man because you know I I get the impression that Wonder Man talking to him and telling him, trying to get through that these guys, you know, this whoever this Challenger guy is, he's just using you. You're just a tool. They won't. (laughs) They they did this to you. They brought you back. They won't let you
1: rest. And uh, so, so yeah, Hulk does his own thing and once that happens um we have uh what we call what a disqualification as the grandmaster says and a negative point yes uh so grandmaster is claiming himself the winner and uh we cut back to it as we see the uh the hulk now slowly transform back into bruce banner for the first time since uh, civil war 2 yeah. that we've seen bruce here in the present um unhoped and uh, this leaves uh, Voyager, who uh, now they see is blue. I don't know if she was blue when going into the vault. I'm trying to remember if that no, was she, happening. Because they didn't
3: realize she was someone different.
0: Is she had she turned blue um, just when before, she was in. Was
2: well,
4: it right before? Yeah, well, I, maybe, yeah, once well, she got in there. But yeah. Or, maybe but it just, was just before she maybe. went into the vault. Yeah. But show it but they it was so quick they probably didn't catch it. Yeah. And they
1: didn't have much information, so that's when they kinda interrogate interrogate her and uh that's when she tells us what we all found out a couple issues ago about being the you know the apps, you know, one of the obstacles into a pawn and uh being placed there by her father, the grandmaster, and she reveals that. But during this Grandmaster keeps shouting no, like telling her basically to shut up because as she says this the challenger realizes that he cheated as well, so they both kind of <laughs> had their own little ways of kind of altering the game in their favor, obviously. So now the challenger is a little, uh, <laughs> little upset over that, and uh, you know that's where it all started with uh, those two battling back and forth, and um, to get the last page of uh, challenger, basically powering well, first up.
3: First of all, you get uh, the grandmaster yes. who says. Well, I can offer you a rematch, you know, because it's messed up. Yeah, if you want a clean win, yeah. you know, I've and got to go for a rematch. No, and
1: boom. boom. <laughs> so yeah, well the game may have ended, you know, the premise had said that, you know, we still have you know four more issues according to this year. But... but it
0: does look like the game is over for the Grandmaster. Yes, yes. <laughs>
1: Um so yeah, once again another fast-paced ex- explosive issue. Got a lot of big, you know, even though it's four issues before the finale, it feels pretty crazy that, you know, we've got all this kind of wrapped up in here as far as the game goes, but now it's like, all right, where do we go from here? We have Voyager out there. Where's her status going to be? Um, you know, the Hulk is back now. We know he's got a number 1 issue coming out in a couple months or so. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what they're going to do in the next month. The well, you get the lunch. impression
0: reading this that Voyager actually does, you actually want to be an Avenger now. Yeah, yeah. And of course, we also know from solicitations of the upcoming Avengers number one that that doesn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe she'll be one of those oh, rotating although, members. Although, yeah, that's true. There yeah. will be, uh, the eighth member will be a rotating member of, of the new Avengers lineup. Because so. it's
1: been sad to see all of my old merchandise just, you know, disappear from my collection as she revealed to the, you know, everybody started realizing. So, um, yeah. You guys are
3: like the in the Watchmen book, or in the Doomsday Clock. What You you see what you want.
1: (laughs) But yeah, um, one cover that I know we have been seeing a lot of that's very, uh, you know, a big cover for 687 for next week is, you know, all of the, you know, Avengers exploding out of, uh, the head here, so... Uh, in this yeah, art, I, so. Yeah,
0: and I think that's Voyager's... yep out of Voyager's. And, but, so. Although her, her skin's not blue there anymore.
1: Yeah, yeah, so... Uh, I, I just keep remember like, seeing that cover, you know, over and over, so now we're getting well, to that moment. Well, cover
3: 689 reveals that... The Game Master may
1: not be done yet. <laughs> Did he kill Gambit? He's, he's got a bunch of cards here. so take They Might just be because of space and the moon or something. And then the awesome cover that I know uh, Katie had mentioned. That yeah,
4: is cool.
1: cool. Yeah. Uh, 688 there. So, I just, yeah, that's a pretty sweet design there. As you have a border of uh, Mjolnors and Cap Shields and... Hulkheads, I guess. Quicksilver
0: and, yeah. <laughs> and Scarlet which look a little too close on there, and I hope they're not going like Ultimate Universe on us. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Let me see. I hope you see, yeah, Vision is literally just like underneath them there. So, <laughs> <laughs> so. I guess
3: can...
1: Now, now. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's just... Not basically.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we'll, uh, we'll continue on with that weekly event. Uh, Dark Knight has uh, wrapped up. Doomsday, we'll revisit in another two months, and then we had talked about oncoming picks here, as we're still kind of, you know, we're going to wrap up the the pick section of the podcast. Um, Jim had mentioned, hey, we should pick an alternate title, because a lot of us have dove into those books and uh, do a lot of direct business with uh, Peter Cimetti and his company and all that, and we see in the current previews catalog for release in June that they have it came out on a wednesday the bi-monthly anthology book that's going to consist of uh three uh roughly 12 page stories unconnected to each other uh being based on you know submissions from uh, aspiring comic creators and uh kind of in the sci-fi horror genre to kind of you know i think it can go beyond that depending on what they get right but we have the first one available for pre-order so maybe that would be a good thing that we uh would all want to dive in since it's an extra size alterna alterna being a lower price book with newsprint it's one dollar 99 i think
4: i believe so
3: yeah
1: still still yeah still 90s prices you know like why don't you put
3: it in for all of us and we'll (laughs) so yeah (laughs) i think that'll be
1: something and you know i definitely can think that would jump into some other alternative. too. As and well. because so it's every
3: other month, one thing that Jim and I
0: had kind of just discussed is, even though some of the, the other stuff has been out for a while, um, we we might actually go back and revisit some of the stuff that's been out or finishing up. Uh, you got books like, I think we talked about, like Wicked Righteous. Wicked Righteous is um, ending soon. As, as it goes, and then, you know, once you get to the end of it, go through and give a good... Uh, spoilery type recap of, uh,
1: of that, uh, series. Alright, so I think that will close it out for the spoiler section. Now on to the non-spoilers. Welcome to the non-spoiler section in which we go around the table and everyone brings the books that they've been reading. And we report back in a non-spoiler fashion. So if we were to sell these series, uh, whether it be The Issue or The arc or whatever... It happens to be. It will be a good jumping on point for some of these series. And what better than a jumping on point than the last issue of Jessica Jones, for now. Jessica Jones, uh, this is the final issue for creators Brian Michael Bendis and Michael Gatos. As they, uh, leading up to this, Jessica Jones has always been tied with the Purple Man and a very awful history in her past. We've seen that on the Netflix show, well that's very much as well into the comic series. And uh you would almost think that issue seventeen was the last issue because they had a resolution to the the purple man, someone who can take over uh people's bodies. We and a couple issues ago is one of the darkest, creepiest things where he controlled their very young daughter of just a couple years and she was he was speaking through her and it's just one of the most uh, it, you know This book definitely goes to the level, as they say, it's uh, for mature, uh, mature audiences only, uh, parental advisory. So while that story wrapped up last month, this is the kind of last issue that I was not expecting in the sense that it was a lot calmer. It was simply a client comes into Jessica Jones's uh, business, uh, Alias Investigations, as uh, she's looking for the love of her life. The Armadillo, a character that has appeared in and out of a bunch of different books mm-hmm. that in the Marvel uh, Universe, some that I've been reading. And it's just basically an investigation on figuring out where this character is, an Armadillo character who doesn't feel that he gets the respect as a supervillain, not only with the name and the appearance, but uh, Jessica Jones basically goes through to uh, simply just... It, it's the most simplest one-shot issues and for some reason, it was the best kind of way to tie up this series. Not on the big, explosive, world-breaking, world-ending type of cataclysmic, you know, issues. It was nice and calm, straight to the point. And it made for a very beautiful and sad issue of Jessica Jones in the sense that this will be it for now. Because they did tease that in fall, we're going to get more Jessica Jones. We just don't know... In what form? So, absolutely loved it. If you love the Netflix show, this is a very condensed series where you don't need tie-ins. Uh, so, issue one through eighteen exists as itself, and you don't need anything more than that. And you got
4: a book? Um, yes, I'm brought in. Um, Jim Henson's Labyrinth Coronation Number Two. This is a spin-off side-along of the movie Labyrinth. Um, the one starring, um, David Bowie as a Goblin King, and, uh, Jennifer Connelly as a young girl who had to go search for her baby brother. Um, this takes place, this is is the Goblin King, David Bowie's character, telling a story to the baby and one of his minions at the same time that in the movie the sister, Jennifer Connelly, is entering the Labyrinth, labyrinth to find her. He is telling the story of how he became the Goblin King, and it goes back to his own abduction as a young baby. And it's, I'm very enjoying it very much, um, and I would just have to say I really like this cover. This cover is really <laughs> cool. <laughs> it has a labyrinth pattern around the outside, and it shows a young woman on a gondola in Venice being pushed by a goblin. <laughs>
1: So it sounds like this would be one of those kind of comic books that if you're a fan of the movie but never read a comic book, that this could be an entry Absolutely. point to kind of expand on that and get more from the world that doesn't exist beyond the movie. So this is a limited
4: series, right? Six. I believe. Eight? Yeah, I don't remember how many, but it, I believe it was limited, and it doesn't say. So you're not committing to a hundred
1: issues of you know, Labyrinth. Labyrinth. You know, it's a nice. It Twelve. Oh, okay. Oh, so it's a little 12. longer, but yeah, it's a nice. You know, you'll get to your beginning, middle, and
4: end. It's so. from Arkea Company. I don't know if that's an imprint of somebody else or. No, that appears to be their own. All. all right, good.
3: I've got Rough Riders number two, After shock. Um This is Ride or Die. This is actually, I think, the third or fourth arc of the Rough Rider series. Um, I'm a big fan of um, comics that take either historical literary figures or figures from history as main characters in the story. Rough Riders has been all about Teddy Roosevelt putting together a, a special team to handle tough things including Annie Oakley, Thomas Edison, Jack Johnson who's a boxer from the turn of the century, Harry Houdini, and Monk Eastman who was a famous criminal from the turn of the century. They are the main team and they've faced so far anarchists, aliens, people trying to overthrow the US government. And now, zombies. (laughs) And what I loved about this, just to plug it for people who might be interested in this, this time in issue number two, they introduce a character who will at least be for this arc, H.P. Lovecraft. So if you happen to be a Lovecraftian uh, fan, here it is, H.P. Lovecraft in Rough Riders. Ride
1: or die. <laughs> That's good, yeah. uh, another book I really liked, Old Man Logan, number 37. Uh, this is a mini arc in which Logan was approached by a stranger who had a basically a USB drive of information to take down Mayor Fisk. So over in the Daredevil book, uh, these are the two books I didn't expect to kind of tie in. They don't directly tie in. You can read either or and be fine with it. But it's nice to see uh some of this uh dealing with it, so the stranger had approached he wanted to find a mutant, a superhero somebody he saw old man Logan uh last month going through Times Square and he's like, Here take this and uh gave him the information in which uh Wilson Fisk is very much aware that this u s b drive uh has been stolen, so he sent uh his his goons out to try to track him down any way possible to get get their hands on the usb drive and now that logan has it he is now looking for somebody who can encrypt it basically and in this issue deals with him tracking down the one person who knows more uh most about wilson fisk than anybody and it's somebody that you wouldn't guess you would think oh maybe like vanessa i don't know if she's alive right now or anything but comics she could be alive but you know who who's it gonna be well it was the lady who wrote his story uh wrote a book about him with Wilson Fisk which she thinks uh fears that got him elected as mayor so that's the setup where you just have everyone you know after Logan Logan's trying to now you know protect everybody that's in this path of Wilson Fisk trying to uh get back This information in which the reader, we do not yet know what that uh, has to do with yet, so. But yeah, like I said, that was just a fun uh, little, you know, tie-in to the, not directly to the Daredevil book, but just the overall MU of people reacting, other characters reacting to the fact that Wilson Fisk, the kingpin, is the mayor.
3: (laughs) Terrifics number two from DC. This is kind of a continuation of metal. So if you haven't had enough metal, you can always go to Triffic. <laughs> but, but hopefully done better than. So far did. it's had some interesting um pieces in the first one, uh the Plastic Man egg. <laughs> um Mr. Triffic and Metamorpho end up going through a portal to the dark, uh to the dark verse. They find Phantom Girl there who cannot rematerialize into her solid form. She's being um, intangible Um, in this one they come back through they come back to our world but there are some things that they brought back with them that now are going to change their life drastically now that they're back in Arbor so Mm. I'll leave it with that tantalizing
1: (laughs) Good, good, good. Uh, the last book I'll talk about here, uh, speaking of Wilson Fisk, Daredevil number 600, the big anniversary uh, milestone issue of 600. Uh, we've been dealing with this arc that uh, Matt Murdock has been, uh, he's like deputy mayor, Mayor. he's been elected, uh, uh, he got himself into Wilson Fisk's cabinet basically to be uh, spying ears if you will. Uh, whatever the correct terminology would be, Uh, as he's undercover as Daredevil, obviously, but he's uh, close to the game as Wilson Fisk has basically been uh, going around and uh, assigning the other crime lords of the the Marvel Universe and kind of giving them uh, sections of New York to kind of control and to be their own kingpins and uh this these last like five issues or so from the uh legacy renumbering is uh dealing with the fact that Daredevil has been trying to you know trying to take down Fisk and trying to trying to get this big plan to obviously expose him and everybody you know the people that voted for him um But there's a trap that's been set, and that is kind of what Issue 600 is all about. And uh, I'll let you figure out whether the trap was set by Daredevil or set by the Kingpin. But uh, the story still continues, even though you think, like, all right, this is going to be the culmination of this event. Uh, We still, I think, have another issue or two of this story. But I said on Twitter when I tagged all the creators of this book, just saying, This is one of those perfect examples of a comic book in the sense that it's just so well thought out and just every beat of it just connects with each other and there's just... You can just see how much that uh, Charles Soule, the writer, has uh, really mapped out this story and just has all the right beats that get you that tie all the way back, not to issue one, because he didn't write issue one of Daredevil in this you know, in the legacy numbering. But in the last several years that he's been writing the character, uh, that there's still threads that are being, you know, laid out there that uh, they're kind of slowly tying up. But Daredevil 600, uh, oh, and then it has a very nice uh, eight-page backup story starring Foggy Nelson. So it's a nice little thing. You get a great story, and Foggy really hasn't been present in the in the recent Daredevil story, so it was nice to kind of get that little moment to kind of remind everybody how important Foggy is to the whole Matt Murdock Daredevil, you know, unit. So excellent uh, anniversary issue of that. I think that'll wrap it up for the non-spoilers, and we'll move on to the news.
0: And now the news. <laughs>
1: So a couple years ago, the first family of Marvel had left through the Secret Wars event and a lot of Earth-shattering universe, multiverse, all of that fun stuff. um, Basically took Reed and Sue and the children kind of off into the distance. Uh, It has never really been confirmed. And, you know, even Ben Grimm and Johnny Storm, former members of the Fantastic Four, who are left on Earth, thing went off to be a Guardians of the Galaxy um, Human Torch, I know, eventually end up dating Medusa, the Inhuman. So he yeah, was, he
0: was hanging out with the Inhumans. So he was kind
1: of in that He's book, going the Uncanny,
3: Uncanny, Uncanny adventures. Okay. Yeah.
1: So you know they kind of went off, but they never really knew like what had happened to him, whether that was even death or just where they you know went off to. And the Marvel two in one book, which is a couple issues uh, into the series, has been kind of dealing with the idea of Ben Grimm and Johnny Storm getting a a tip from uh, Dr. Doom, who is uh, now the, uh, the uh, which version of the of the Iron Man? Infamous, Iron, infamous Man. Iron Man. Infamous Iron Man. Which there's still a lot of mystery, but he's trying to be good and all that stuff. But that book is kind of dealing with uh, them finding a kind of a clue that Reed had left to search the multiverse to basically have an opportunity to find them. And uh, Ben Grimm has led Johnny Storm into false pretenses of saying, oh, we're definitely going to find them here. But, you know, Ben Grimm kind of used that because Johnny was kind of having some problems with his powers and he was very depressed about, you know, everything that's been happening since his sister and family and everything has kind of crumbled beneath him. So they're kind of off on their own little adventure. Well, while that book will still be continuing... They have officially announced that coming in August, a uh, brand new number one called Fantastic Four. So the characters are back. The first family of Marvel is back as we've seen the art. I don't know if anyone... I shared it on the uh, Facebook page for Crimson Call. Yeah,
0: not giving a real clear look at the, the costumes or uniforms.
1: Uh, but yeah, it was. Uh, we have Dan Slott, who I was very excited about. He's one of my favorite writers. I was
0: going to say, technically, not even a clear shot out. Who each member of the Fantastic Four. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was going to
1: do that before I came around, because I was going to say Dan Slott is writing, and then art by Sarah Pichelli, and then here's the art of those people that, you know, maybe, whatever. But uh, the art, Sarah Pichelli, who's uh, had a pretty uh, epic run on the Miles Morales Spider-Man comics. Um, Dan Slott, who is uh, just a couple issues away from wrapping up a 10-year story with Amazing Spider-Man who's also taking over the Iron Tony Stark Iron Man title. Those are available for uh, pre-order right now. So Dan Slott was announced. uh, Apparently, when I listened to an interview, he was on the official Marvel podcast, and they had asked him... um, like, all right, Spider-Man's done. Yeah, you're doing Tony Stark, but, like, what else, you know, whatever. What else? He's like, I want to do Fantastic Four. And they're like, well, we're not doing those characters now. You know, he kept saying that for the last couple of years, apparently. We're not doing that book, you know. And he would just keep throwing it out there anyways. And then finally, you know, wrapped up Spider-Man. He threw it out there again. He gave them a pitch that everybody is like, all right, here we go. Let's dive back into the Fantastic Four. Um, so being fan of that book and being fan of Dan and Sarah... I was very excited to see that. Uh, now or reactions from around the table on uh, Fantastic Four coming back? Do you have any connection with the first family? Well, I... Relations? Are you, you
0: know? Yeah, yeah. I'm like a cousin of somebody or other uh, four times removed. Um, no, it's it's been weird to not have the Fantastic Four in Marvel. Um and uh, most people agree that it had to do with the, the whole Marvel feuding with Fox um, over rights and, and stuff like that, that they're just like, well, okay, you know what? We're not supporting Fantastic Four in any way. We're dropping the title. Um, And yeah, readership had been down and, and everything else. Um, and while I've never been a huge fan of Fantastic Four, it still is like, you know, not having the Fantastic Ford Marvel just has really seemed
1: It's like the beating heart of the universe. Yeah, like, in a
0: way. like something is missing. Even not reading it, you know that something is missing. Um so it's uh it it's nice that it's finally uh coming back, and I don't know if that's because you know that that deal, which isn't a finalized yeah. done thing, <laughs> you know, between uh you know with Disney buying Fox. Um if it's close enough that they said, "Hey, you know what? We're we're ready. Let's do this." Um, and it's that, certainly been hinted at for a while that they would be bringing them back.
1: And to give uh, uh, some evidence to that, maybe if that is the reasoning, a lot of times when Marvel Studios, Avengers, and all that releases one of these big movies. Like with Guardians, they usually have a year's worth of brand new comics that are now out in trade by the time the movie comes out in theaters. So, with this coming out in August of 2018, um, Avengers 4 is still a mystery. There's some, you know, possibility that if they do a Peter Parker Spider Man, like with Sony, where they make a cameo of the new Spider Man in the movie, and then a year later the movie comes out, so maybe by 2020, which they haven't officially released some of their untitled movies. This could feel like this was all part of the plan as well, so that that's one evidence that maybe that is the direction.
3: And you know, if things don't work
0: out, they can cancel this series just as quickly as they. We'll get a new number one. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's it's uh, great. I think it's uh, long overdue to to bring Fantastic Four back into the Marvel
1: universe. Any thoughts on Fantastic Four, Katie?
4: Yeah, well, I'm definitely excited for all people who have been fans to see it come back, and um, I've been reading the Marvel Two in One series based off of Rex from the table, which is a lot of fun. So I'm excited to, um, maybe see if that resolves into the story, but otherwise, just get more stories from these characters.
1: Yeah, like they had mentioned that since the Marvel Two in One is still staying, because you would think, oh, they're going to get rid of that book mm-hmm. now because those two characters, but uh, Chip Zdarsky, who writes Marvel Two in One, Dan Slott is writing Fantastic Four. Um they have been working together as far as you know communication and stuff like that so it seems like you know if you're a fan of uh that book that you may get some connection and you know it's really going to exist together yeah. rather well, than being two different visions and then
0: those those writers have worked together anyways because with uh, dealing with Spider-Man Yes two yes different, two different <laughs> books and coordinating what's going on with Spider-Man up to this point they've they've also been working together that way. Yeah,
1: there was a huge moment that happened in the Spectacular Spider-Man in issue six of that book of this relaunch, that you would think would happen in the Amazing Spider-Man, but instead it happened there. But it did cross over to Amazing.
3: And it also looks like it's going to be able to expand Marvel Two and One some because I noticed in the most recent mm. uh, material for ordering things, one of the two, one of the uh, Marvel Two and Ones was not Ben Grimm and. and um, in the Torch, it was Ben Grimm and someone else. So
1: they can take that formula yeah. and kind of like a Spider-Man team-up type of mm-hmm. sort of, like, you know, just kind of... Yeah. All right. That'll be good there. So, uh, any Fantastic Four thoughts, well,
4: I remember them from way, way back, you know, and wasn't aware that whenever ever this split-up happened, but starting to read uh, Avengers No Surrender, just having a couple of them there has always made me wonder what's going on. So... To see them back together would be nice, yeah.
3: I've always enjoyed Fantastic Four um, off and on throughout time. I think they also are far more flexible than we give them credit for because they've spun other people into the team at times too and really have, have done some neat things, I think, with it. Also, I was just thinking, I didn't think about it until we were talking here, there's been kind of a brain drain in the Marvel universe and I think they finally noticed mm-hmm. it cuz we you know the four top thinkers that used to be in the Marvel universe were Hank Pym, Bruce Banner, Reed Richards, Tony Stark and then Hank Pym went crazy <laughs> It's that part of our plan. Bruce Trump. Banner got shot and Reed Richards was missing so you we were kind of down to Tony Stark and now he's missing so yeah. finally <laughs> We're getting back the big brains yeah. from the Marvel Universe. Of course, you
0: did have a couple <laughs> others brought into it, but...
1: Um, Amadeus Cho, Lunella yeah, Lafayette... Uh, Tony Holt. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of them are Reader younger. Williams.
3: But, yeah. you know, the the original really big brains were missing, and now we're kind of seeing a resurgence of those people coming back into the comic universe. And and also, those those were
0: characters that other people in the Marvel Universe would go to. True. And I don't know that you've had that quite as much with some of these other characters mm-hmm. that they brought in, the newer ones. Um, but yeah, it's like you always had... And, and that's where I'm most familiar with Fantastic Four, really, is from other things <laughs> that have involved them. In Meteor's you know, going to hit better the better earth. Get them. Reed! Right. <laughs> Tie it in. And, and I've been a fan of them as far as you know characters and brought in like that. Um, I've never gotten into reading their own title. Um, But it's kind of like, kind of like Thor. You know, never been a huge fan of Thor solo. But but I like him in a team. I like him as an Avenger. And so, same thing for the Fantastic Four. I personally haven't been a real big fan of reading their ongoing
3: stuff. But I like them in the Marvel Universe. Actually, strangely, my best connection with the Fantastic Four was when Johnny Storm was gone, and they brought in Spider-Man, and they became the Fantastic Foundation. From the mm. Freedom Foundation, that was yeah. the time when I was following them the most closely.
1: <laughs> and uh, we, for the Fantastic Four, we probably have to thank uh, the late wife of Stan Lee, Joan Lee, because back in the early 60s, uh, Stan Lee was getting to a point where, you know, he was kind of sick of doing comics. He's always kind of used it to eventually write the great american novel he said he's always just wanted to be a novelist but he got into the comic book uh industry and he basically told his wife joan that he was going to quit he was kind of done with it and she goes well if you're going to quit she's like why don't you just write one last story like you know there's no limits you can do anything you want and what's the worst thing to do they're going to fire you well you want to quit anyways (laughs) and he's like, okay." So that last story ended up being the first story to everything that we talk about. What you know, when we think of Marvel Comics, being the Fantastic Four in 1961, and that's where it all and year after year it was just hit after hit, and you know, Spider Man and Daredevil and Hulk and Iron X-Men. Man and X Men, and <laughs> it just and it all came from him wanting to quit and Joan just saying, "We'll just do one last comic," and then that last comic became the first of many. So, uh, yeah, so the Fantastic Four will be a much uh, welcome back, I think, and uh, it will be exciting to see uh, see what Dan Slot after coming off his epic run, and Sarah Pichelli coming off of uh, Spider-Man, she hasn't done a, a book like this she had talked about it on the podcast, too, of getting to, uh, you know, work with the first family that she uh, is incredibly excited to now work on a higher scale, uh, scale rather than just doing like a Spider-Man book, you know, and kind of sticking with Miles Morales's world. So, um, so yeah, that's coming out in August. So it won't be available for pre-order yet, but believe you me, I will let you all know once, uh, <laughs> once that happens where we can all pre-order it. So, um, anything else to, uh, discuss in the news before we wrap it up? As, uh, as we're about to close it up, um, I do have to mention um, I will be out of state for C2E2 next Saturday, uh, mm-hmm. which we were going to ask if uh, you were available if, uh, for laptop situation. Mm-hmm. We can talk more off air. Yeah, and then yeah. the, the I Hellboy. be here next week either. Okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. And, uh, yep, um, next weekend after um, after things uh, close down here at the, the Cal. Uh, we have that Hellboy, Hellwater thing um, going on where we're all going to go drink some cinnamon whiskey. Yes. (laughs) Well, not not all of us. and, And there's a
1: Facebook event for that, I believe. Yes, there is. So feel free to go to the Facebook page for more information and details on that. Um and then, since the new June catalogs for previews have come out, normally we'll dive in and uh Jim had suggested kind of breaking it down that uh if we do the Marvel catalog and dark Horse and d c which are you know usually the front runners in that catalog that's a good part one and part two can pick up from there, which is like i d w through image and dynamite yeah. and Aftershock. the rest yeah, and uh so with some of us missing and this and that. That'll give you extra time to kinda come through and uh build up your list. And so maybe in two weeks we'll meet up and kinda give our la- you know, yeah, give our pitches yeah. on some things we're excited about in the previous catalog. So or wondering about. Yes, yeah. that too. <laughs> so I think that will do it. Um this whole time I've been Anthony, David's been David.
4: I'm Katie. I've
3: been
1: Jim. And I'm Kurt's dad, today and always. <laughs> to be continued.
0: Thanks for listening. The Crimson Cowl Comic Club is recorded live from Crimson Cowl Comics and Collectibles at 1749 Barton Avenue in West Bend, Wisconsin. For more information, visit us online at
2: www.crimsoncowl.com.